This morning, if you'd turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to again remind uh, everyone, if you happen to be in the lobby and you have a child in there, this morning's message will at times uh, also be PG-13. It's the context of Scripture. Uh, We want to make sure that you know that ahead of time. Uh, Please uh, do take that into account uh, as you turn your attention to the Word I want to remind you that that Scripture addresses difficult things. Part two this morning of who's in, who's out. And as I shared with you last week, this is not my attempt to say that I know that I know in a specific situation if someone uh, is saved or not. That's not the intent. The intent is to stimulate your mind and your heart to remember that God's Word has spoken authoritatively as to how we ought to live our lives as the body of Christ. Uh, We don't have the option to walk any longer in the sin. We do not have the ability to to, uh, mark out our own path. The race has been set for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been indwelled and empowered with the Holy Spirit to live lives of holiness. There is no such thing uh, as a genetic predetermination to sin. It doesn't exist. Predisposition is very different than predetermination. We as the body of Christ can be set free from the bondage of sin and of death, its penalty. And we have in Christ Jesus. And we are to no longer walk after the dictates of the lusts of our flesh. And because that is the case, frankly, I'm sick to death of sin being justified in the church from the world's perspective because it's some disease or it's a sickness, or I can't help myself, or you don't know how hard I struggle with this thing. Family of God, we're all sinners, amen? We are saved by grace, amen? That grace is sufficient for our sin. The power of the Holy Spirit is sufficient for our sin. doesn't mean that we live sinlessly perfect lives. It means that we have the power to fight back. We have the power to flee. We have the ability to say no to the things that would otherwise, as this passage clearly states, master you. You can't have but one master. Those are the words of Jesus, not Jeff. No man can serve two masters. He will love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other, for you cannot, and he used the example of money, serve both God and mammon. You can't serve, another way to look at it, the spirit and the flesh simultaneously. You are doing one or the other. You cannot do both. Your flesh is incapable of serving the spirit of the living God. It can't do it. We need to lay hold of the truth of what Scripture plainly teaches. If we don't, the world will dictate how we live our lives. And that is a danger that we see in our world today. And I pray that we will take to heart the message that is preached from this word this morning. Because your children are at risk. Your marriages are at risk. Your families are at risk. Our nation is at risk. Our world is at risk. As I shared with you last week, the biggest stain on the church, from my perspective as a pastor, is the stain of hypocrisy. We claim one thing and we live another. 
We say this is how you should live, but we ourselves do not do that. We pick and choose which sin we're okay with and which ones we're not. And when we do that, the world looks at our lives and said, why would I want to be like that? Why would I want to claim that I have the grace of God when the grace of God is insufficient to keep me from divorcing my wife or living in adultery or being a drug addict or a drunk or being mastered by some other thing? That's not a very powerful God. Amen? If God can't save to the uttermost, then can he save at all? And let me share with you, family of God, lest you be tempted to believe that you can pick and choose Scripture. For the same Bible that declares, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, declares that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that the world through him should be saved. You cannot pick and choose what you believe from God's Word. You either believe it or you don't. You either live it or you won't. And if you won't live it, then how can you say you believe it? And the church has lost its witness chiefly in the world for this reason. We refuse to live the way that we claim to have been set free. we got to live it, family. And I pray that the Lord would minister to us. It is not by mistake that this same exact passage of Scripture is one of those ones that people look at, well, I don't like that one. It's not the only place it's found. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to get hit again in chapter 10 of this book. Scripture plainly declares that as the redeemed of God, we say I to the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you. And we ask you this morning to apprehend our hearts, take control of our minds, our bodies. Lord, all of us, Lord, everything that we are is yours. We have been bought and paid for with a price. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We declare that plainly. We ask that you'd speak to us through the power of your word. Instruct us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12 here in 1 Corinthians 6, and I want to give you three different versions. First from the New King James, For all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And I want you to lay hold of that thought for a moment. Because that really is the issue. The issue is, who's driving the boat? The issue is, does that thing control you, or do you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, control it? That's the issue. There are a lot of things that are not patently sin. All kinds of things. I have shared with you, Dozens of them. But I can tell you there are a lot of people who are mastered by things that are not necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but now they have a new master. 
How many people are mastered by retail therapy? I can't help myself. I see a good sale. I am just lost. All of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit is insufficient. It's 50% off. How many people are mastered by the double-double? It's not enough. I want a three by three, a four by four, an eight by eight, a dozen by a dozen. How many people are mastered by supersize it? How many people are mastered by those cigarettes? How many people are mastered by alcohol? How many people are mastered by sexual sin? How many people are mastered by movies? How many people are mastered by television? How many people are mastered by an impression of other people, what they think? How many by intellectualism? How many by environmentalism? How many by, well, I've got 74 cats. You're mastered by pets because you love pets more than you do people who were created in God's image. The reason I'm saying these things is I don't want to pick on anybody or anything. I want to say let's be fair in our judgment of sin and let us with one voice say no more hypocrisy. Stop picking and choosing which things you're okay with and which things you're not. The reason I brought those passages to you early found in Romans 1, Galatians chapter 5, along with this one, because when you start combining them, guess who's also in trouble? The liar, the hypocrite, the greedy person, the slanderer, the gossip. How many people are mastered by gossip? They can't have a conversation without talking about somebody else. Let us speak the truth in love, brothers and sisters. Let us declare plainly what the Bible declares. Two more versions. First, the New Living Translation. For you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. The New International Version, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. You get the picture. The issue is, who controls? Is it you, or is it the activity? Is it the sin? Is it the behavior? And, and to state that mankind is helpless from the attraction of sexual sin, from the attraction of alcohol, from the attraction of cigarettes, from the attraction of money, from the attraction of power, fame, position, or anything else is to plainly and flatly deny the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't escape that conclusion. And for someone to say, well, I have a disease is to say that God created people with no possibility of keeping his word. Does that hurt? It should. Because there's a lot of Christians that actually believe and teach that. That I'm incapable. I have no capacity by the power of the Holy Spirit to escape that behavior. 
And if that's you, I ask you to ponder the power of the God that you serve. Told you this wasn't going to be easy. But we need to hear it. Because the church has lost its witness in the world because the church won't hear it. And the church won't live it. The church is beginning to buy into the lie of the enemy. The church is promoting gay lifestyle, promoting the inevitability of divorce, promoting that alcoholism is a disease, promoting that everything that you struggle with can't be helped because you're genetically enabled. If that's true, family of God, let me speak to you plainly. God is a liar. not true is it hard to flee sexual sin if you've engaged in it you better believe it that's why it says don't do it in the first place is it very difficult when you take up the habit of smoking to quit that three pack a day habit you better believe it is that's why you're not supposed to be as this passage says Mastered by anything. Is it hard to stop stealing when you make your life stealing? Uh Uh-huh. Is it hard to tell the truth when you make a habit out of lying? You better believe it is. By the power of the Holy Spirit, all of these things are conquerable. All of them. Standing before you is a man who was homosexually raped when he was 11 years old. I am not gay. I have a lovely wife, two children. I happen to love exactly one woman and have for 36 years. The world says, oh, he's probably got homosexual tendencies. No. I was a fifth-a-day alcoholic, if you want to call it such. I'm not proud of that. I'm very ashamed of that part of the history of my life. I haven't had a drink since. Don't want one now. And I'm not wondering, oh, man, again, i got the Joneses going on here. I better find me a bottle somewhere. God's power is sufficient by every statistic and every bit of Worldly advice, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I'm not doomed, and neither are you. And neither is anybody else. So let me use my own life as an example for you. You see, if we begin to believe the lies of the enemy and we engage in that deceptive thinking, then all of a sudden we no longer turn our attention to God's word for our help, but we turn our attention to the world. And when we turn our attention to the world, eventually the world swallows us up and the world becomes our master. As I shared with you, God's grace is sufficient for all of our weaknesses and failures. There is no other way and there is no other name whereby men may be saved but at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Okay, that's it. But as God's kids, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. As God's kids, we are no longer bound by those sinful things that used to keep us captive. Now, we can return to the vomit. How quickly we point out the fault of the prodigal son, but we forget the sins of the brother. Amen? Let's be fair. Let's be just. And let's hold the standard as God speaks it, not as the world. Everything's permissible. We might add in our modern day and time, hey, it's legal. Do you know how many Christians I have had look me in the eye and tell me, hey, it's legal? All things are lawful. All things don't help. And again, I'm not trying to pick on. I'm not at all trying to condemn. I'm not trying to say that it's easy to forsake those things that are attractive to you. But sin's been attractive since the garden, family. It's always been attractive. And it always will. Satan doesn't need any new tools. He just repackages the old ones. Amen? It's all he does. He hadn't come up with anything. It's the world, the flesh, the devil. It's the pride of life. It is the power. It's passion, possession, position. Amen? It's those things that are still attractive to us. And praise God, i got a new ruler. That's why when someone says to me, well, I like Jesus as Savior, but I don't like Him as Lord. If Jesus isn't Lord, He can't be Savior. Can I say that to you? Because you don't get to pick and choose which parts of Him you get. If you're saved, you got a Savior and the Lord. You need to remember that. Jesus Christ is Lord. That means Master, by the way. He is Yahweh Adonai. He is the Lord of hosts. He is also the Master of the universe. And if you receive Him as Savior, you have to take His Lordship. God, you control my life. Help me forsake those things that bound me. You know, the New Testament, the Old Testament, roughly forbid the same things. But I want to draw your attention to something. Not every sin is listed in Scripture. Shouldn't have to. It's a matter of lifestyle and lordship. Amen? You know, sometimes people, well, it's not listed. That's kind of like saying, because the speed limit's not posted, it's now 170. <laughs> well, there's no speed limit signs. I'm out here in the desert. How would I know? You know, because God's already given you the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and of righteousness. So you do know. Problem is, you don't like what you know. Because it afflicts your flesh. Your flesh is going, that's not what I want to do right now. We want to do something else. We need to use our freedom to be free from sin. Amen? We're supposed to be dead to our flesh, not feeding our flesh. And again, I'm not speaking to condemn anyone. I'm trying to help you understand. Family of God, if, if this is, if I'm preaching to the choir, okay, and I probably am in many cases, hallelujah, then let's find a new choir to preach to, one that doesn't know the song. That's what the Rogers family is going to do. 
they're finding a new choir to preach to. Amen? You, you see, some of you are going, well, you know, I don't have any of those things going on in my life. Hallelujah. Praise God and thank you, Jesus. Okay? Hallelujah. But I guarantee you, you know a bunch of people who are struggling. I guarantee you, your children will be tested. I guarantee you, these things will come up in your life. Verse 13, for you say food is for the stomach and stomach for the food. You see, these things that, that Paul's saying here were actually axioms that were used in the Corinthian culture because they had a basic understanding that the body itself was kind of no good. It was really what you thought and kind of what the spirit did that mattered, and that's all that mattered. Can I say to you, how many of you have heard this? Well, my heart's right. Sure, that's not my wife, that's someone else's wife, but my heart's right. We're in a committed relationship. That's been the excuse for sin since day one. Well, my heart's right. I can just see Eve. Well, my heart's right. I mean, I just wanted to be wise. My heart's right. We all think our heart's right. Why? Because it's deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? So your heart is quite capable of sending you mixed messages, amen? Don't forget that. You say food is for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true. That's why it's its created purpose. Your stomach has a reason for being there. But no more than it's okay for you to load up on chocolate cream pie every day. Is it okay to abuse your body in any other way, shape, or form? Because it no longer is yours. It belongs to God. Though someday God will do away with them both. But our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. He's going to go back to that analogy now. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord actually does care about what you do with the body that he purchased. You see, as a human being, you are really three parts. Your mind, which is kind of controls the emotions and all those kind of things. Your spirit, which is the part that is redeemed in the Lord. And you are a physical body. So you really have three parts. When Scripture generally uses, and especially the words of Paul, and especially this book, when he uses the term body or bodies, he's using the Greek word soma. And the Greek word soma is not just this tent. The Greek word soma is all three parts. It's your mind, it's your spirit, and your body. That's why this is so important. Because what you do with your body affects your spirit. It affects your emotions. If you don't believe that, ask a woman who's been raped. Ask someone who's gone through the pain of an abortion. Ask someone who's gone through a divorce is it your physical body that suffers all that much? Oh, no. It's the whole of who you are. It's what you're now thinking in your head that plagues you day and night. It's what your emotions are doing when you dwell on those things. It's how it affects your spiritual life because you can't pray right now because your head's so full of the trauma of that that you're hindered. And the enemy comes in like a flood and says, Look, see, you're worthless. That's why Scripture preaches about sin, folks, because God knows the net result. It's not you're just getting drunk. 
It's that in doing so, you're giving away a part of your mind. You're allowing your spirit to be affected. Your body's affected. The same is true with sexual sin. The same is true with gluttony. The same is true with materialism. The same is true with anything that has the potential to master you. Sex outside of marriage is potentially one of the most destructive forces on the planet Earth. You know why I said that? Your Bible declares it. Why do you think it spends so much time talking about sexual sin? I might also tell you, nowhere in your Bible does it say committed relationship. Nowhere in your Bible does it say, well, we love each other in our hearts. The Bible confines sexual activity to exactly one man and one woman for life. And in doing so, God blesses it. And it's wonderful. But outside of it, it destroys How many minds are plagued with the thoughts of someone else in their life that they should have never been with to begin with? And now that thing that God designed is beautiful and holy and a picture of our union with Christ. Think on that for a second. It's been destroyed. We can't even think on that wonderfulness of it anymore without having it tainted. It's destructive. It's not fun. It's not recreation. Oh, the devil will tell you it's fun. Your body will even tell you it's fun. A couple of unique chemicals produced by the sexual union. One of them, oxytocin, which gives you the sense of euphoria and bonding and all those things. Don't you think God knew that when he designed the sexual union of a man and a woman? That's why he said, don't do it outside of marriage. Because now all of a sudden you're bonded with somebody you're not going to spend the rest of your life with. And you're thinking about them because you had those emotional thoughts. And yes, I'm preaching. I need to. I'm preaching. I'm not teaching this morning. I'm preaching. Why? Because our world is rotting before our very eyes. We're in trouble, folks. We are on the slippery slope that leads to the sewer. Now, if the church doesn't wake up, stand up, rise up, and shout it out, the world's in trouble. Because the world isn't going to go back the other way unless it's affected somehow. We've been called to be salt and light. We've been called to be different than the world. And if we will not take up that mantle and be different, then we are part of the problem. That's why I've shared with you, you you should not be happy about your children's sexual experimentation with their boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not cute. It's damaging to their souls. It harms them. It's not funny. Ladies, stop dressing your daughters provocatively. Please, my sons don't need to see it. Men, tell your sons to respect every woman 
on this earth. For the child of God they are, and they are someone else's wife. You see, we need to be fair. We need to call it as it is. Scripture does. That's someone else's daughter. Someone else's wife. Well, we cave in. You know, watch what we put into our heads via television and movies and internet and books and magazines. Things that used to be specifically problems that men had, infidelity being one of them and adultery being one of them, is now universally flip-flopped. Do you realize that more than 50% of all divorces are now started by women? Used to be the other way, folks. That's a bad thing for society. That means that the poison has reached both sides equally now. That's what that means. That more people now cohabitate than are married? Does that not bother us as the church? It should. Your kids living together with their boyfriend or girlfriend before they get married is not a healthy thing. If another Christian tells me that, I'm going to smack them in the love of Jesus. (laughs) Well, you know, they don't know if they really love them or not. And they won't find out that way either. Amen? They won't. That's not what they're going to find out. We need to hear it. Don't you realize that your bodies, verse 15 says, are actually parts of Christ? Ow! That means my body's not mine. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Ouch! You have to say that? Family of God, it says that for a reason. Because we don't think that way in those moments of lust. We don't think that way when we're staring off at some other person that we're not married to. That's not what's going through your head. What's going through your head is, she's hot. He's hot. They look great. My wife doesn't look like that anymore. My husband doesn't look like that anymore. Matter of fact, he's got two bellies, not one. But what we should be thinking is, not my body, and that body belongs to someone else. You see, it's a very useful tool when viewed properly. Hallelujah. There should be some conviction. There should be some sense of guilt. We've lost our sense of guilt collectively as a nation. We're not ashamed anymore. God help us to be ashamed. God help us to stand up and say, this is crazy. What are we doing? How did we get here? As I shared with you a few weeks ago, the number one best-selling book on the New York Times bestseller list that is purchased by women is porn. Fifty Shades of Grey. By E.L. James. It is porn. I'm not encouraging you to go read it. It's porn. It is a sexual bondage novel. It's the number one book in America. 
for women. What does that say about our culture? What does that say about the acceptance we have of the world's ways? You ladies ought to be in an uproar, frankly. I wouldn't want to be associated that way. No more than I like hearing every man's a pig. Happens to be true. (laughs) I'm trying to lighten it up, okay? I know it's heavy. Verse 16, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united as one. It's a picture of your union with Christ. That's what the sexual relationship between a husband and wife is supposed to be because it was actually designed, believe it or not, to create children. We are joining God, in essence, in a very small way, in his creation. I was looking at Abe and Bethany, and when I, they were babies. We just prayed for our high school students. Those students, I remember them when they were this tall. I have seen kids come back to the camp that were in the arms of their parents when they first came, and their high school pastors. We're joining God in what he's doing and blessing the world with our kids. In marriage. It's the only place it works. And every statistical analysis, I don't care what you read, says that the best place for a child to grow up is in a home with a mom and a dad that are their biological parents. Every statistic says that. So what are we doing trying to redefine marriage? How did we get there? Are we willing to just lie down and settle for something that God doesn't want? I say no. You see, we live in a culture just like the Corinthian culture that in essence worshiped sex. Verse 17, but a person who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. You see, we're supposed to be that way. I should be thinking, man, whatever I do with this earthly tent, whatever I allow my body to participate in, whatever I engage in, my Lord is engaging in too. Do you get it? Does it now make sense to you? You realize what that's saying? Lord, like we're wasted. Those thoughts you have in your mind, those actions that you undertake, in you dwells Him. Simple enough. You really want to drag your Lord through that who said He loved you on Calvary's cross? Jeff, that's what I saved you from. That's why you're supposed to be has-been washed up sinners. Not very good at it anymore. You see, too very often we take what we do very lightly and more what we think. We need to start realizing that what we do matters. 
Don't you realize that your body, now it goes on to say in verse 19, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Yikes! My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God in the Spirit dwells in me, and what I do with it matters. I don't think Jesus likes secondhand smoke. Ooh. Now, I'm not trying to preach to you here to say, you know, you're going to, oh, man, you're burning in hell because you're burning on your lips. <laughs> not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, it does matter. You know why? Because it kills your body, and it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you end up with lung cancer, and you ain't preaching Jesus to nobody when you got a tube down your neck. Amen? We know it causes cancer. Again, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm saying in Jesus' name, he can set you free from that, too. You go to in and out, and you... I'm with you, family. I, I struggle with it, too. I go in there, it's like if one burger's good, two's got to be better. Give me a malt, give me a milkshake, and some Twinkies, okay? I, I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying we can do it. Because God says we can do it through Him as Christ strengthens us. You do not belong to yourself. Ow! You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus. You don't get to call the shots anymore. Now, I want to tell you something. That's the most awesome transition on the face of the earth. Because I also don't have to call all the shots anymore. My life is hidden in his. And I know that what he thinks about me and wants for me is better than what I think and want for me. And I can trust him with me. I can trust him with my sexuality. I can trust him with my cheeseburgers. I can trust him with that smoke. I can trust him with whatever. He's not going to lead me astray. No, Jeff, you should go kill yourself. That's what I thought about me. For you've been bought with a high price, and so you must honor God with your body. Family, that's it, isn't it? You got purchased. You were bought. You were paid for. Jesus bought you from a life of sin. Why would we ever want to return to it? That's why you're not supposed to be having another master. That's why when you think on these things, and such were, remember last week? Some of you used to be. That's why we talk about B.C., before Christ. Amen? I'm not good at sinning anymore. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not good at it. I used to be really good at it. And I'm not proud of that. But I used to be really good at it. And you know what? I didn't care. I hated people. I hated people. I'm not proud of that. I hated people. I'd use you, abuse you, buy you, chew you up, and spit you out like yesterday's laundry. I had enough money. I didn't need you because I served money. Then I got a master change. And all of a sudden I realized, man, 
What am I missing out on? If Jesus died for people, I ought to die to people and say, Lord, help me be like you. To bring this to a close, family of God, if we remember the words of Jesus there in Matthew's gospel, we'll remember that he's the one that started this whole thing. You got a master change. And if you got a master change, the evidence of that master change is a life change. And that life change should grow. People are in different states of of maturation, maturing. And for some people, as I shared with you before, I've had so many just wonderful, absolutely blessed times talking to you know people who are messed up, who just gave their life to Jesus, and they wake up and they're like, man, it's so awesome, I just threw my crack pipe away. Or people come to me and, and the Holy Spirit's spoken to them and they are living in a, in a sexual relationship with someone who's not, they're not married to. And they go, we want to make it right. I, I want to say very clearly, just as Jesus did, woman, where are your accusers? I do not accuse you. But please, go and sin no more. Because it's not good for you. You got a new master. It'll hurt you. It'll hinder your growth. And if you do it long enough, maybe you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Maybe you've been fooling yourself. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Let us take sin seriously. But let us take our Savior more seriously. Amen. Let us not trounce on the grace of God, but cling to the grace of God. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father God, we just simply come and we're so grateful. Lord, I want to thank you for God taking somebody like me and cleaning me up and dusting me off and really having such a sense of humor as to use me as a pastor. Boy, that's just almost unfathomable. And Father, we're so grateful for that work of the Spirit. I want to pray right now. Maybe there's some in this room who are struggling with some area of sin in their life. And Lord, they're tired of it. I don't want it anymore. I want to pray right now that by the power of your spirit that you would give them sufficient conviction, Lord, to bring about a change. And in that change, would you help them and strengthen them in that resolve to just simply let it go, knowing that the things that you declare for us are always good. They're never evil. Lord, we love you. We thank you for that grace and We just ask that you administer the sweetness of that grace to us as we give you our lives. Lord, as Paul wrote to the church at Rome, as living sacrifices, which is just simply a reasonable service. It's the right thing to do, God. We want to do that. 
Bless us, strengthen us, enable us, use us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.